You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome back to Payne.tv slash gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard Podcast. And right now we are just... We are just skimming, skimming the top layer of central bank digital currency. You know what? Let me finish up. Let me go through the rest of this article because it's important here. So what they do is they've got an article up on the screen. Again, this is thrillerbitcoin.com. It says needed creative uh, creative equity solutions. For many businesses, getting to the other side of this pandemic will require more than credit. In the United States so far this year, 45 businesses each with over $1 billion in liabilities have already gone bankrupt. That number could double by the end of the year. In the small and medium-sized business sector, 50% of companies now consider themselves under severe financial strain. And millions have indicated they may have shut their doors for good. To help these struggling businesses, the banking and capital markets industry will need to find creative, versatile solutions in the equity phase. These solutions will need to smooth the transition from phase two to three and benefit a large segment of struggling entities from large companies and developed nations and smaller businesses in emerging markets. So they have a chart here. COVID-19 triggers a record wave of U.S. corporate bankruptcies and cumulative count of U.S. companies with $1 billion or more in liabilities filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Okay. And so they show the numbers here, 2002, 2009, 2020. And then they ask the question in the article, still, you might ask, why is that important? It says, fundamentally, because Augustine Karstens from the Bank for International Settlements, Christine Lagarde, ECB, Yi Gang, People's Bank of China, Jerome Powell, Federal Reserve Board of Governors, Francois Villeroy de Galou, Bank de France, NGFS, and other central banks around the world have already agreed to use Ethereum and other shitcoins as the base layer for their CBDCs. Pilot programs are being run now. It says at the Paris, quote, One Planet Summit, end quote, in December 2017, eight central banks and supervisors established the network of central banks and supervisors for greeting the financial system, better known as ESG. Since then, the membership of the network has grown exponentially across the five continents. And what else has grown since then? Yes, the entire ESG tale in the finance industry. If you'd like to read more about how this started, we encourage you to check out our coverage of the Green Swan Conference. No one in our industry covered this, by the way. The Bank of France, International Monetary Fund, Bank for International Settlements, and Network for Greening, the financial system, joined forces to co-sponsor this bizarre global virtual conference on how, in practice, can the financial sector take immediate action against climate change-related risks. Wondering the why of their immediate action? Because it's a direction for the World Economic Forum. And so then they have a page here from the World Economic Forum that says strategic direction uh, setting and then the operational oversight and alignment. And so this goes into exactly what they're talking about here, folks. 
All right. It says, as a society, we're living through the most profound alteration in history, reminiscent of the American Revolution. And the problem with living through an authoritarian takeover is the lack of possibilities to take the long view of how it will play out. And this is very important to understand this. I have said it before, I believe on this show, maybe on the Thomas Paine podcast, that Klaus Schwab, look at Klaus Schwab and Yuval Noah Hari and these guys we talk about as the new founding fathers. They are the founding fathers of what will be the full-blown prison planet metaverse matrix system that we're living in. Technocracy has already been taken uh, has already taken over everything it is our culture now they are putting the pieces into place and i think the eventual goal in my opinion uh, from a political standpoint, is that they want to remove the illusion of all of the partner countries of having their respective governments, like a representative government here or a parliamentary system in Poland or in the UK. They want to lift that veil and basically tell us that we're living under an authoritarian system. We are living under a technocracy. They want to be able to announce it and just say, we are living under a technocracy, folks. All right, over here at usa.visa.com. All right, so now you've got Joseph Lubin tied into Bank for International Settlements. You have him tied into the United Nations Sustainability Goals. You have him tied into the World Economic Forum. You have the World Economic Forum, obviously, holding a bunch of panel discussions on central bank digital currency as well as international uh international monetary fund all these big players are in this it is real folks it is real right so this guy joseph lubin instrumental in this he is sitting over there as the head of consensus comes out as co-founder of ethereum which is funded by peter thiel through the original founder, this guy Buterin, right? So you see all the pieces, how they fit together, folks. So over here at Visa's website, it says, Envisioning a Future of Central Bank Digital Currencies. This was written in January 2022. And it says right here, Visa partners with Consensus to help bridge CBDC networks with existing payment rails. Okay, so this is Visa partnering with this guy Joseph Lubin's company. I'm not going to read all this, but I'm going to kind of breeze through some of this so you have an understanding. Again, the point of this is to show you if you don't want to believe that this is coming, it's coming. And so hopefully it'll pique your interest. We'll be able to dissect this between what I'm able to research, analyze, and understand and explain to you. And then with Wide Awake Jim, who looks at this from another angle, and then with the information that he researches from Catherine Austin Fitz and John Titus, and maybe I can get them on the show. So we'll be able to kind of break this all apart and figure out when it's coming so that we can maybe come up with ways to move our money around and try to beat this before it's too late. I mean, before they do the big rug pull. It says, as central banks around the world dig deeper into central bank digital currency, questions on adoption and usability are top of mind. Once you've built the technology to power CBDC, how do you help make sure people can manage and spend their funds through a familiar, trusted, and seamless experience on day one. Again, this is at Visa's website. 
That's where Visa can help, harnessing our network of network capabilities designed to bridge new CBDC networks with the existing financial ecosystem. Visa is partnering with Consensus, a blockchain technology company, to develop new infrastructure that can help central banks and traditional financial institutions come together and build simple, user-friendly services on top of CBDC networks. We sat down with Catherine Gu, Visa's head of CBDC, and Shaley Adonai. Nolfi, Director of Strategic Sales at Consensus, to learn more about the Visa CBDC payments module and how the two companies are supporting the roll out of new forms of digital money. Supporting the rollout, I apologize, of new forms of digital money. Says the majority of central banks are reportedly exploring CBDC. What makes this technology so intriguing? All right, and so this Catherine Gu of Visa and the uh, Shaley Adonolfi of Consensus sit down and have a conversation. Let me just go through these questions. I'm not going to read the answers right now, but it says, the majority of central banks are reportedly exploring CBDC. What makes this technology so intriguing? The next question, what are the primary challenges central banks will face in launching CBDC? The next is, so how can central bank tackle the adoption challenge and motivate people and businesses to use CBDC? What does Visa's CBDC payments module do? How does it address this challenge? It says, so for a customer, what might a CBDC experience built on top of Visa's module look like? Then you have Visa and Consensus were selected as one of three winning entities at the Global CBDC Challenge hosted at this year's Singapore FinTech Fest. What did you learn from the challenge and what do you think set your entry apart? It says, what's next for Visa's CBDC payments module? So these are the questions discussed right here on Visa's website. So why don't we just take a look quickly at some of these answers. Let's go to the first question. The majority of central banks are reportedly exploring CBDC. What makes this technology so intriguing? So Catherine Gu of Visa says, if successful, CBDC could expand access to financial services and make government disbursements more efficient, targeted, and secure. That's an attractive proposition for policymakers. Okay, so do you understand what she just said there? Expand access to financial services. There's no one looking for access to financial services that doesn't already have it, number one. That's the same thing as Elon Musk telling you he's going to put a brain chip in somebody's head to cure their paralysis. All right, it's a feel-good story designed to tug at one's heartstrings. Here's the real piece. Make government disbursements more efficient, targeted, and secure. Because the first place they're going to do this, folks, is with uh, welfare. They're going to do it with Medicare payments. They're going to do it with Medicaid. They're going to do it with food stamps. They're going to do it with Social Security. So that takes up a large chunk of the population. And if they tell you, like, let's say, you could no longer get a paper check to get a Social Security uh, payment, you're going to have to open a bank account. Well, guess what happened? People just did it. People like my father wanted a check. They told him, no, we do direct deposit. Guess what? He gets direct deposit. That's how they engineer you into it. So eventually it will be you're getting CBDC and then people will either not get CBDC or they'll get it if they comply. It says take stimulus payments, a task requiring immense resources and coordination. With CBDC, a central authority could send fast payments to a targeted set of users and program specific spending parameters. What did I just tell you? 
What did I just tell you? You're not going to be free to transact between anyone you want because they're going to program specific spending parameters. Well, when we went through Ethereum, what did I tell you? It's all programmable. The smart contracts are programmable. Everything in it is programmable. The whole supply chain from point A to point Z is programmable. So the governments will decide what you can buy and when you could buy it. That is technocracy. That is the systematic control, the means of production, and the distribution of goods and services. And you will accept it because technocracy is the science of social engineering. They're going to engineer you into this system. Goes on to say, residents of a particular community facing economic hardship could receive immediate government assistance directly in their digital wallets, usable for buying groceries or other necessities at merchants accepting digital payments. No waiting for a check in the mail and for those funds to be cleared in your account. That's just one potential use case. There are many more that have yet to be imagined. Oh, let's imagine our new future. So Shaley, at an Alfi of Consensus, owned by Joseph Lubin, co-founder of Ethereum, funded by Peter Thiel, says, we're just scratching the surface of what CBDC will mean in the long term. The prospects for financial accessibility are exciting. Approximately two-thirds of the world's unbanked individuals own a mobile phone, unbanked. That's a key word. They used that back in the city of New Haven in 2007, 2008 when I fought them. Unbanked, again, it's like saying someone has Alzheimer's. We're going to cure the Alzheimer's. We're going to cure the unbanked and they're going to just drive you into the system it's not about helping people that are unbanked it's about taking the people who don't want to bank uh, out of the system so if you figured out a way to not use a bank and to not have venmo and not have cash app and not have stripe or square or any of these other payment processors to run your business or run your life they're going to force you into the system, just like they'll make it impossible for you to operate without a smartphone. They will engineer you into the system. That's how it works. It's about me and you, the people trying to escape. So when we need to go buy a John Deere tractor to plow our field, and the guy who owns the store won't take a sack of potatoes, we're going to have to be in the CBDC system because that's the only way he's going to be allowed to accept currency. She goes on to say, because digital currencies can be distributed via mobile devices and physical cards, they can reach people in remote areas with limited access to banks and physical cash, right? So there's people in remote areas with limited access to banks and physical cash, but they have a smartphone and they'll have internet powered by Elon Musk's Starlink. It's basically what they're saying. And in Poland right now, they've been pushing the idea of the implantable uh, chip the size of uh, a piece of rice, a grain of rice, into your hand that actually becomes your payment method telling people that you won't lose your credit card or be hacked this way. Now, that's for real, folks. Poland, they're pushing it. They even, I mean, it could be fake, but they say 47% of people say they want it. And they're doing that for $200, embedding this chip inside your hand between your index finger and your thumb. Oh, this is all very real, folks. It's here. This is the matrix. That's why we're explaining it. And if we want to live one foot in and one foot out of this matrix system, we have to understand what the rules of the system actually are. And that's why we're here reverse engineering the engineering that's being engineered by 
the engineers. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to engineer myself out to a quick break. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Or listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Payne.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are dissecting the technologist behind the build-out of the CBDC infrastructure. Again, I'm trying to take this from a little bit different angle than other folks out there. I know Wide Awake Jim's going to come on. He's going to take this from the angle of the Bank for International Settlements. I'm taking this from the angle of the technologists that are actually building out the technology, the infrastructure, and architecting this system. So you heard right there from Catherine Gu, this uh, Visa representative here in this article, this interview on Visa.com. And she says right there, right there with CBDC, a central bank authority could send fast payments to a targeted set of users and program specific spending parameters. That's it. Program specific spending parameters. Just like with your uh, food stamp card or whatever, if you have one, you're only allowed to buy certain things with it or with your WIC payments. I don't even know how those work anymore. It's all digital as far as I know. But I remember when I was a kid, 15 years old, so that would be, what, 26 years ago, working in a grocery store, a little mom and pop grocery store. And people would come in with a WIC check. They could only use it for a certain kind of milk and things like that. So now it'll all be programmable. Well, if it's programmable for one, it's programmable for all, folks. All right, we're going to continue with this because I want to show you uh, with this partnership here with Visa and Consensus how important this is before I get over to uh, a discussion that Joseph Lubin had on decentralized finance. We're going to get into that uh, as I work my way into consensus and I break down their website and eventually work my way to their white paper on central bank digital currency. But I want to show you the partnerships and the projects they're already doing for the government, literally supplying blockchain technology for the supply chains to track goods, all kinds of stuff, folks. Now, this is full-blown technocracy build-out. Howard Scott, Howard Scott, the founder of Technocracy Incorporated, would be proud, folks, because it's finally all coming to fruition, and it's happening at warp speed. And it was being built way before COVID land, the high school theater production, but that allowed them to accelerate a lot of this stuff because they were able to unveil it as solutions to the problem and as reactions to the problem as an answer to the reaction they provoked out of us which is always help us and they go oh this is how we're going to do it so we're going to work our way through this and then there's several videos over the next couple of episodes we're going to be analyzing from the world economic forum international monetary fund uh world economic forum bank for international settlements we're going to go through a lot of this stuff folks all right next question what are the primary challenges central banks will face in launching cbdc and so Catherine Gu says, at a foundational level, central banks need to think about building 
stability, resilience, and security into their CBDC ecosystem. The G7 principles, for example, provide a starting point for addressing those core policy issues. Central banks also need to be thinking about the end user and how to integrate CBDC with existing systems and infrastructure. These are challenges that would be very costly and technically challenging for central banks to address on their own. To best tackle, we believe that public-private partnerships and a strong focus on the end-user experience will be vital, right? This is how you end up getting people to adopt the technology faster. And of course, it's always the public-private partnership, but as I told you, the private part of that partnership is just an extension of the public and the public is the state so what she really means is to best tackle we believe the state (laughs) that's it the state all right it goes on here shaley added off the answers yes it's likely that a quote two-tier system end quote involving both central banks and traditional financial players is what will emerge In our work with central banks, we've seen strong interest in conceiving expertise and support from the private sector. They are interested in piloting concrete use cases that will significantly benefit the efficiency and resources required to transfer assets and reconcile accounts. All right. So as you can see here, what's happening is the so-called private sector still wants to be involved in that supply chain of the movement of money, of the movement of money across these various transactions. All right. So remember, this Shaley Adenolfi, she's speaking on behalf of Consensus, owned by Joseph Lubin, co-founder of Ethereum, backed by Peter Thiel. Goes on. So how can central banks tackle the adoption challenge and motivate people and businesses to use use CBDC. So Catherine Gu of Visa says, we think it's important for central banks to think about CBDC as a product. Consumers want to manage and spend their money with a seamless, intuitive, and familiar experience. Whether that's tapping to pay, splitting the bill with a click, or having account management tools at your fingertips via a mobile banking app, right? Perceived convenience, folks. As I've told you before, we consistently sell out our own freedom, our personal liberty, and our human autonomy for perceived convenience. So the way they get this to work is they have to make everything else miserable to then drive you into the perceived convenience solution. So they will cyber hack everybody's bank account, tell you that nothing is uh, protected, and the only way to protect yourself is CBDC, right? They will tell you it's really cool. You could just wave your magic hand, rice grain uh, in your hand across a a thing, and boom, the money will come out. They'll, They'll have different ways designed for different sort of personalized, choose your own adventure echo chamber loops that people are involved with and that's how they'll do it it goes on to say how do you meet the those user-centric digital first expectations with cbdc in our view it's important that cbdc can be easily accepted everywhere by businesses and retailers from day one through connecting to the existing payment infrastructure. This will also help pave the future for developers, fintechs, and financial institutions with deep product development expertise to build on top of CBDC networks, right? So the central bank will control the actual movement of the digital currency, the mining or the printing or the minting uh, or of this digital currency. 
And then you'll have all these so-called private sector partners, these extensions of the state that will provide all the various payment gateways and utilize the existing infrastructure to make this all happen. That way they don't have to rebuild an entirely new system. And if you don't believe that over the last 10, 15, 20 years, they haven't been building this system, you're crazy. This system has always been in mind. It goes on to say, what does Visa CBDC payments module do? How does it address this challenge? So Catherine Goose, says visa's cbdc payments module is designed to provide an on-ramp for cbdc to existing payment networks so that cbdc networks can easily connect to traditional financial providers for banks and issuers processors they'll be able to plug into the module and integrate their existing infrastructure and be enabled to do things like issue CBDC link payment cards or wallet credentials for consumers to use. We're in the process of integrating our module with the Consensus Codify CBDC sandbox powered by Consensus Quora so that our platform can be ready to tap into enterprise blockchain technology. And that's Consensus Quora. Remember, we went over, they uh, purchased Consensus Purchase Quorum from J.P. Morgan Chase. The representative from uh, Consensus says that's right. Consensus Quorum is an open source version of the Ethereum protocol that's optimized for enterprise applications. It can enable a two-tier CBD system for central banks to issue and distribute CBDC. Quorum's robust open source protocol layer ensures compatibility with private, permissioned, and Ethereum mainnet networks, as well as familiar products and tooling in the Ethereum ecosystem. Central banks and banks are keen to explore Quorum through our CBDC sandbox due to the increasing adoption of Ethereum uh, mainnet and layer 2s shared common standards and interoperability between private and public networks again so they're basically creating this system at consensus that's going to allow both the public and private sectors to plug into the system and it's all riding on top of central bank digital currency and this whole system is going to be powered by the ethereum protocol all right this is why i said it's very important now as far as I can see, Peter Thiel, 2014, gives money to Buterin to work on Ethereum. 2015, they launch Ethereum. And then Joseph Lubin splits off from Ethereum, goes out, forms consensus. And now consensus is backed by at least a half a billion dollars from people like Microsoft, SoftBank, and others. And they're in there in partnerships with governments and central banks already writing all the white papers on how to actually create this whole CBDC infrastructure. It goes on to say, so for a consumer, what might a CBDC experience built on top of Visa's module look like? So Catherine Gu of Visa says, we envision a user experience that looks very familiar to how you pay today. If CBDC networks are uh, seamlessly integrated into your existing banking app, you'd be able to use your CBDC-linked Visa card at the checkout or tap your digital wallet loaded with your cbdc funds and payment credential to pay securely at any of the 80 million merchant locations worldwide that accept visa and any of its connected networks all through existing retailers existing payment terminal it's a familiar experience for people around the world so think about it like this in the beginning like i mentioned earlier they will still allow cash in the form of paper money and uh, coins to be in circulation but the first rollout of cbdc 
uh, at a high level. Now, if you take Bitcoin and some of these other coins, there are certain online retailers, there are certain websites, uh, video platforms that accept donations in cryptocurrency forms. There are certain stores where you can actually purchase cryptocurrency on the ATM machines and people accept cryptocurrency. So that was the beginning of testing all this stuff out under the guise that cryptocurrency was not connected to the government and you weren't going to have to uh, give up information to the government okay so they already started to test out this infrastructure over the last 10 years right so now you have a situation where let's say you're collecting social security and let's say i don't know your check is 1200 dollars a month so now what they'll do is they're gonna instead of putting 1200 usd into your chase bank account via direct deposit you will have 1200 whatever they're going to be us cbdc united states central bank digital currency put into your us crypto wallet or your coinbase wallet, whatever it may be let's say uncle sam crypto wallet so now on your phone it says you have 1200 cbdc tokens uh, or carbon credits however they're going to do this but that's it it's digital right and so what they want you to be able to do is walk around with say your visa debit card which is connected to your cbdc wallet not unheard of folks because i have a coinbase account with very little in it but i have a coinbase account and i got a coinbase i think it's a visa card so i could technically go into a store and make a purchase and then it converts the cbdc i'm sorry whatever cryptocurrency i have I'm not exactly sure how it works because I haven't used it, but it converts it to USD and then withdraws that from your account. So they're saying we're already in 80 million merchant locations. That's what Visa is saying. So let us connect Visa up to the CBDC wallet and then people will be using CBDC, but you don't have to force them into some new dystopian looking system because all they have to do is connect their Visa card to their CBDC wallet and now they can go in the grocery store and purchase food with their social security cbdc in the same way they're already doing it that's how you force adoption without getting people to actually change their habits so for instance let me just give you a prime example something i mention every day here i always say join pain.tv slash gold uh, access a like-minded group of individuals using a facebook like app and mobile application uh, or a facebook like website and mobile application well when mike moore put that system together and i had actually showed him some stuff last january and how to do it we decided to go with a framework that looks like facebook because to get people yourself included and me and marie albanese and others to use a little private social media platform to share information with each other and talk about the shows and have them have to learn a whole new system it's a pain in the butt well <clears throat> build it off a framework that looks very similar to facebook and people will more easily adapt it and use it because they don't have to learn a whole new system that's what they're saying here don't make people have to go out of their way to use cbdc let them use it through the ways they're already used to let them connect cbdc up to their apple pay so they can tap their iphone on the register at the store and it pays for their groceries so that's what you're going to see happen that's what visa's working on here with consensus when i get back we're going to finish up breaking down this little interview i'm going to show you some more stuff on joseph lubin because tomorrow we're going to start dissecting 
this consensus website, I'm going to show you all the projects, case studies, and white papers that these guys have already put together. The point of this, folks, is if there's anyone out there who's telling you this is not coming, folks, it is in the works. It's already here. They're just connecting the systems together, and it will be rolled out. Wide Awake Jim says five to ten years. I don't know about that. I mean, five to 10 years goes by pretty fast in the world we live in. We're almost three years into COVID land, the high school theater production, believe it or not. So five to 10 years is not that long. But I say this needs to be done uh, by 2030. So I'm guessing they're going to be testing in the next year or two uh, at a level that you will probably start to come into contact with, whether you're getting Social Security or you have uh, Medicare you're managing. I think they're going to move all these systems over to that. Basically, you're just going to be forced into it. You're not going to have a choice. If it's the only choice, you have no choice, and therefore, you were socially engineered into the system. I'll be right back here on this system, the Dustin Gold Standard, on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 